Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 60, Tired But Wired. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. Do you ever feel so exhausted, but at the same time too full of that agitated energy that you can't even sleep? In this week's episode, we'll dive into this uncomfortable combination of feeling simultaneously tired and wired and what we can do about it. Imagine finally wrapping up all the to-dos you could muster for the day, ready to call it a night, and finally jump into bed to get some rest. And yet, you feel in your core this energy, this stirring, a vibration or pulsation surging through you, that no matter how weary your eyelids, no matter how depleted your arms and legs, no matter how exhausted your mind is, there is somehow, paradoxically, an energy inside you wiring you awake, preventing you from achieving the sleep your body so longs for, yet at the same time, seems incapable of achieving. A common cause of this experience of being tired but wired is an imbalance, a desynchrony. Recall, as discussed several times before, the two main regulators of our yin-yang of wake and sleep. One system that primarily regulates our sleepiness and one system that primarily regulates our wakefulness. The names we give these systems are Process S and Process C, respectively. Process S, also known as the sleepiness drive or homeostatic drive, is responsible for pushing us into sleep when that pressure gets too overwhelming. Process S, the pressure to sleep, is controlled by the buildup of sleepy chemicals in the brain as a result of being continuously awake. So the longer the wake, the stronger the sleep drive. It doesn't matter quite what time of day it is, what really matters for Process S is how long it has been since you last woke up. The main mediator of this sleepiness drive is adenosine. And recall from episode 14 that the effect of caffeine is to blind the brain from appreciating how much adenosine or sleepy signal has really built up. Process C, on the other hand, is also known as the circadian wakefulness drive, and it is responsible for keeping us awake. And unlike process S, which is determined by the duration of lapsed time since the last sleep, process C is independent of your wake or sleep, though it can be easily influenced by it. Process C is based on your internal clock, the circadian rhythm. So whether you just woke up or woke up 20 hours ago doesn't really matter absolutely, but only in relation to the internal timekeeping of the circadian clock. The internal rhythm guides the release of wake-promoting chemicals like dopamine and norepinephrine, and later on, the release of melatonin to prepare the body for sleep. So we can get a sense of being tired but wired when one of these systems is in the wake position and the other is in the sleep position. 
For example, as mentioned, caffeine works by masking the concentration of adenosine, the chemical marker of process S, the sleepiness drive. If, however, caffeine is on board during your circadian night, say by consuming four lattes between 6 and 10 p.m., your internal clock may be indicating that you should feel tired. Melatonin is released and your body has been prepared for sleep. However, a key ingredient is missing, sleepiness. Without a chemical sense of sleepiness, from the recognition of adenosine, now temporarily hidden by the effect of caffeine, the drive to push the brain into sleep isn't aligned with the body's preparedness for sleep from the internal clock. Another way this experience could result, tired by process C but wired by process S, may occur when process C, the circadian clock, is set for sleep, say because it has been 16 or 17 hours since you started your day. But if you took a late afternoon nap for an hour or two, you may have only been awake for a few hours by the time your circadian bedtime arrives. And with only a few hours of wake time elapsed, after having partially cleared from that sleepiness signal of adenosine, there hasn't been enough time passed to allow a sufficient buildup of the sleepy drive. This again results in the experience of the body being prepared for sleep by the circadian clock, process C, and yet the sleepiness drive, process S, is nowhere to be found. Too weak to make you feel sleepy enough to sleep, even though the rest of your body feels tired enough to sleep. Far more often, though, is when these roles are reversed. Process S has you feeling tired from the full weight of being awake all day long, but process C has been fooled into thinking you should still be wide awake, tired from the sleepiness drive, but wired by the circadian drive. Unfortunately, it is very easy to get into this situation. It can occur despite you being mindful of avoiding daytime napping and avoiding late-in-the-day caffeine consumption. From a process S standpoint, you seem to be doing everything right. And yet, if the day is wrapped up with a whole host of circadian miscues, you can find yourself in trouble, feeling tired but wired. The most common offender should be no surprise. Light. Thankfully, as discussed repeatedly and most recently in episode 58, the circadian rhythm is capable of significant flexibility. This is fantastic news for when we travel across space, so we can adjust to new time zones, or travel across time as the amount of sunlight varies from summer to winter. Unfortunately, this flexibility and responsiveness of the circadian rhythm can often get us into trouble all too easily. The timekeepers of your body, from the retina to melatonin, are unable to distinguish between natural light cues for daily rhythm, aka the sun, and artificial light cues. So every time it's after sunset and you walk into a brightly lit room, or you turn on the TV, or look at your phone, these light sources are sending confusing information to your timekeeping system. Information that it's light out, therefore it must still be daytime, and therefore you should still be awake for a while longer. So every little nudge alert on your phone that you respond to nudges your internal clock to delay just a little bit more. And as we've seen before, not every circadian cue or zeitgeber is created equal. Even just in the category of light, there is a wide range of effects. Keeping all other things equal, there is a disproportionately strong effect of having light exposure closer to your otherwise expected sleep midpoint, and the farther from that sleep midpoint, the weaker the effect of light. For instance, if you normally go to bed at 11pm and wake up at 6am, then getting light exposure at midnight is far worse than light exposure at 10.30pm, which is worse than light at 6pm. And light exposure between 2 and 3am would be the most powerful at shifting your internal clock, as it occurs smack dab in the middle of your expected sleep period. So when we get light exposure matters, but the distance from the light source also matters. We see that the impact of light from a television set across the room doesn't impact sleep quite as much as a smaller computer screen a couple feet away, or yet even smaller screen inches away in the form of your smartphone. 
So not just when and how far, but also what kind of light also matters. The circadian rhythm has a peak responsiveness to light around 470 nanometers, meaning that all else being equal, like the brightness and lux, the distance, the duration, and timing of exposure, that more bright blue-enriched light has a more potent effect of altering your internal clock than more red-enriched light that is otherwise the same. Apart from the light, other cues can also significantly disrupt our circadian rhythm. As discussed in episode 12, the actual content of viewed media can also impact internal clock function. Specifically, for the same duration of television viewed, binge-watching a single show more negatively affects sleep timing and quality compared to viewing a variety of different shows. The cognitive arousal from the curiosity, the open questions, the cliffhangers that suck you in to see what happens next, that purely mental interest in the content of the program driving binge-watching behavior also impacts circadian rhythm. And all these problems are no better represented in a single package better than social media. Engineered by the smartest minds and AI to keep you scrolling, clicking, and engaged, giving you alerting dopamine hit after alerting dopamine hit, all via a device emitting blue-shifted LED light from mere inches away directly into the timekeeping cells of your nervous system. So we find ourselves tired and exhausted by the 16, 17, or 18 hours or more since we woke up. That homeostatic sleep drive, known as Process S, ready and waiting to push you into sleep when allowed, checking off the tired box. And at the same time, process C, that circadian rhythm, your internal clock, is no longer anywhere near ready. Whereas just a couple hours earlier, you were right on track to fall asleep fine, the internal clock fully lined with your sleep drive until that chasm between them grew and grew. After the sun went down, all these artificial light sources, some too close for comfort, keep beaming bright light into your nervous system, fooling your internal clock into believing it's still far earlier in the day than it really is. What else is your brain to believe when it's getting 6 p.m. volumes of light at 10 p.m.? Wired it is. Your brain and body pumping full of the chemical signals to keep you awake, while the pressure to sleep is also trying to urge you to get to bed. Tired, but wired. Then there are, of course, a number of other conditions that cause hyperarousal, sometimes to compensate for some tiring condition. The simplest example is the way young children behave in response to being tired. If a child is literally running around, bouncing off the walls, attention span of a fruit fly, and the emotional regulation of a crocodile, it won't be too long till you hear some parent remark, well, somebody needs a nap. And that's simply because young children respond to feeling tired by trying to overcome it with activity, physical, emotional, whatever. When a kid is running around out of control, he's tired, wired in response to being tired. We see something analogous, though more sinister, in clinical medicine an unconscious, autonomic hyperarousal. The body's background systems that regulate everything from digestion and blood pressure and temperature and heart rate being hijacked with a disproportionate sympathetic activation relative to the parasympathetic system. This hyperarousal can certainly be seen in plain vanilla insomnia. It's also commonly seen in other tire-generating conditions like restless legs or sleep-disordered breathing. In each of these, we have the loss of quality or quantity of sleep, leading to an increase in tired. And also in response, sometimes directly and often indirectly, there is a compensation to the tired in the form of an increase in wired, pedal-to-the-metal sympathetic fight-or-flight activation, leaving in the dust the parasympathetic rest-and-digest system. This imbalance caused by tired but wired can be measured with things like skin conductance and heart rate variability. And we can unfortunately see the outcomes in rates of things like heart disease, stroke, and death where the rates among those who are tired but wired from the conditions of insomnia, restless legs, or sleep apnea are significantly higher than individuals who are not tired but wired. 
So to summarize, it's all too easy to get stuck in this bad situation where one can simultaneously feel exhausted and yet also too energized to sleep. And it's no rare phenomena. This is because we humans don't come equipped with a simple single on-off switch that single-handedly makes us awake or asleep. Rather, the biology of consciousness is incredibly complicated and nowhere near close to being fully worked out. What we do understand is that there are multiple players in the wake-versus-sleep game. And whether we are awake or asleep at any given moment is never determined by a single system, but the interaction of several of them, sometimes in conflict. We group these into two general processes, the sleep drive and the internal clock. The sleep drive, known as process S, depends on how long one has been consecutively awake. The longer the wake, the stronger the need to sleep. The internal clock, known as process C, is the body's circadian rhythm, the internal timekeeper, whose seconds and minutes beat faster or slower depending on a number of zeitgeibers, or time givers. When these two systems are in alignment, we have the best chance of feeling wired when we wake and tired right before we sleep. When they are out of alignment, it's a recipe for tired but wired. Most often, it's keeping a regulated sleep drive, but with an unregulated circadian rhythm that's causing the imbalance. If we engage in the wrong time cues at the wrong time, our internal clock is likely going to get out of sync with our external environment. And the more out of sync it is, the more likely we are to feel both tired and wired at the same time. And while there are plenty of other contributors to this dilemma, the easiest way to get rid of this tired but wired experience is to get the sleep drive resynchronized with the internal clock, so that both your sleep drive and circadian cycle agree when to be wired and awake versus when to be tired and asleep. If you're feeling tired but wired, go to www.sleepeducation.org sleepcenter to find the nearest accredited sleep center led by a board-certified sleep specialist. There, they can assess for potentially dangerous contributors to the tired but wired state, like restless legs or sleep-disordered breathing. And they can also provide you a personalized step-by-step -step approach to ridding yourself of this tired but wired conundrum. But the basics go something like this. Keep your circadian rhythm aligned and maintained by waking at the same time every day and exposing yourself to lots of bright light shortly after waking. Stay regular with your meal times and physical activity. Monitor your light exposure after sunset and ease off any bright sources of light in the last hour or so before your intended time to get to sleep. And if you've been avoiding any dozing during the daylight hours and avoiding caffeine after lunch, then these two systems of your sleep drive and internal clock will fall back into harmony and in ending the misery of feeling tired but wired. If you haven't already, go check out wellrestedmd.com slash day, where you can get a special download, a totally free cheat sheet. In this Day of the Life of the Well-Rested download, you'll find examples and timing of several morning and evening routines, the evidence-based best practices for wakeful days and restful nights. So head over to wellrestedmd.com slash day to see these best practices in action. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information, including the option to sign up for email updates. Thanks for listening.